TED Audio Collective. Hey, it's Elise Hugh. You're listening to TED Talks Daily. Democracy all over the world is fragile, and in the United States, it's under threat. Technologist Tiana Epps-Johnson paints the picture of the situation in her talk from TED 2022 and shares how she's fighting for voting rights in the U.S. Tiana and I also got to sit down and chat more after her talk, so stick around after the talk to hear that. Her work is part of the Audacious Project, a collaborative funding platform to support groundbreaking ideas across the world, which this year raised $900 million. We're sharing this year's winners on TED Talks Daily all week. TED Talks Daily is brought to you by Progressive. Progressive helps you compare direct auto rates from a variety of companies so you can find a great one, even if it's not with them. Quote today at Progressive.com to find a rate that works with your budget. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash TED Talks. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash TED Talks. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey, TED Talks Daily listeners, I'm Adam Grant. I host another podcast from the TED Audio Collective. It's called Work Life, and it's about the science of making work not suck. Next time on Work Life. The way that perfectionism is built, it makes us very sensitive and vulnerable to those setbacks and failures which occur all the time. And of course, that creates a lot of worry and stops us taking risks, stops us pushing ourselves forward. How perfectionism holds us back and how to overcome it. Find Work Life on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's dark days for democracy. And our crisis is global. If you're like me, you can feel it in your bones. My expertise focuses on democracy in the United States, where I live and work. And while we've long lifted up our own system on a pedestal as an example for the world, we're one of those democracies that's currently in a years-long decline. So much of the conversation in the media and among experts is about our broken two-party system. Democrats versus Republicans. And so much of the conversation about voting is about the outcomes, the winners and the losers. These are the wrong conversations if we want to tackle the threat to U.S. democracy today. Because we have a much more fundamental challenge, and it's quickly growing. The United States' election infrastructure is crumbling. By infrastructure, I mean the technology, the physical infrastructure like facilities, and most importantly, the human infrastructure, the people who manage the U.S. voting process. Election infrastructure is so essential that it's been designated critical infrastructure by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. That puts it on par with systems like our power grid and water supply in the eyes of the federal government. But they haven't invested in it like it's critical. The average portion of a county budget spent on election operations is about half of 1 percent. To put that into context, we spend about the same amount to maintain parking facilities as we do our election system. 
If we zoom out a little bit, the U.S. election system is actually pretty unique by global standards. Unlike some other places, we have no central election authority that's responsible for managing the logistics of voting for our entire country. Instead, we have thousands and thousands of local departments that each have some independent mix for figuring out how to make voting work where they live. These departments are staffed by professional election officials with support from volunteer poll workers during peak election season. So, with no government-run how-to for how to administer elections, we end up seeing widely different voting experiences throughout the U.S., where voting can legitimately work one way in one community and look totally different somewhere else. For over a decade, my work has focused on providing technology and training and other resources to state and local election officials to support them and their work serving voters. In my current role, that has looked like working with election departments in every corner of the country that together serve about 75 percent of our eligible voters. This has given me a really unique window into what it actually takes these public servants on the front lines to do things like keep voter rolls up to date and quickly and accurately count ballots and inform their communities about how the process works. This year-round work is hard, and it's often super thankless. And the last two years have been some of the worst. Election officials who serve millions of voters currently lack the basic technology that they need to reliably do their work. It either doesn't exist, or it's shockingly outdated. In the year 2020, we supported a small New England town replace their hand-crank ballot box that they had been using since the early 1900s to count ballots. One was literally held together by duct tape. Even worse, the people that underpin our voting process, the election officials, are currently under attack. In exchange for being outspoken about the integrity of the process that they managed in 2020, which, by the way, turned out to be our highest turnout election in the U.S. in over a century, and the most secure election ever administered in our history, according to our national security community. In exchange for the grit and determination that it took to make that possible during a global pandemic, today election officials are receiving death threats, their children are being bullied, and some have had to flee their homes. A recent survey shows that one in three election officials, one in three, currently feel unsafe doing their work. It's appalling, and enough is enough. We are at a tipping point for U.S. democracy and, frankly, democracy globally. I don't know about you, but I personally don't feel comfortable just standing around leaving things to chance. And I especially don't feel comfortable standing by, asking election officials to keep figuring out how to make it work alone while our system is getting pushed to its brink. We need to rally around a set of shared values and standards, a North Star, so that every single voter, regardless of their zip code, has access to a process that's both fair and trustworthy. Election officials need a place where they can come together to keep their skills fresh, so that they're ready to tackle whatever challenges might come, whether it's training to bolster cybersecurity or to combat disinformation or to help them keep voters safe during a pandemic. And every election department 
rural, urban, large, small, needs access to 21st-century secure technology, so that every single community has access to the basics, like a website where voters can find out answers about how voting works where they live. Or data-driven tools that election officials can use to make sure that we don't have lines that snake around city blocks outside of polling places. Last summer, I was at my first conference since the start of the pandemic, and I was going up the escalator, and I locked eyes with this election official who I absolutely adore.、Um, let's call her Sarah. I ran and I gave Sarah a huge hug, and I realized that. Probably 60 seconds passed before we let go, and when we did, I was crying, and so was Sarah. Sarah's life got flipped totally upside down after the 2020 election, when a vicious conspiracy theory about her office went viral. Almost immediately, the death threats started to roll in, and they were unrelenting, and they were very specific. About the harm that they wished upon Sarah, and her husband, and their children, and still, Sarah never backed down from telling the truth about the process that she led. In that moment, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude and love and admiration for Sarah that I couldn't help the tears. But I think, if I'm being super, super honest, I was just. So happy that my friend was still here to hug. Election officials deserve a warm, welcoming community where their hard work is celebrated and encouraged, not vilified. And all of this is exactly why I'm so excited that we are inviting every single election department in the United States to join the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence. The alliance is a place where election officials and technologists and designers and other experts are working hand in hand to revitalize U.S. democracy, and we're doing it by focusing on the basics, a shared north star, the tools that it actually takes to get the job done, and a community of support that has each other's back, whatever might come. It is absolutely crucial that we rebuild the foundation of U.S. democracy, and that's exactly what we're going to do. The alliance is not only ready to meet this moment; we're ready to create a foundation so strong that we can make it another 200 years together. Thank you. And we are back with Tiana Epps Johnson. Tiana, hi. Hi there.、Um, I'd love to know what this funding sort of means for your work on the ground, especially in places that have been neglected for a long time. One of the things that I'm most excited about,、uh, with the audacious support of the Alliance、yeah. for Election Excellence, is that we are able to move away from just thinking about how we support election departments doing their best to serve voters in the next election,、yeah. but instead we can really think about. As a whole system, what are the tools that election departments need to be successful? What type of community of support do they need? And plan for that—an、um, initiative that's really focused right now on the next five years. And so, more than anything, what this investment means is that we are finally able to really do that long-term work that our election system requires. It totally makes sense to be thinking more systemically, holistically, structurally. 
Um, but of course, it makes me wonder why isn't the federal government putting money behind this? Shouldn't taxpayers be footing the bill for these kinds of sort of broader systemic thinking and solutions? Uh, when we think about the work that we're doing, we're so excited because we have election officials and technologists and designers all working hand in hand. Um, but it also means that as a nonpartisan nonprofit, we're doing some of the work of funding our really basic election infrastructure. Right, right. And that's work that, you know, from our perspective, needs to be done by the government. And the amount of funding that's actually made available to election departments to do the really critical work of register voters and to keep our process secure is really, really low, like nowhere close to what it actually requires. We spend about the same amount to maintain parking facilities as we do our election system. It's and so, it, you know, it is, especially when you think about the fact that our election infrastructure um, is so important to the United States that we deem it critical infrastructure. Like, could you imagine spending the same amount on parking facilities as we do on our power grid? Right. It would be unthinkable, but that's how we're approaching elections. And so we've been advocating in partnership with election officials for actually a historic level of investment um, in this election infrastructure that's being pushed to its brink right now. And one of the really promising signs is that for the first time, uh, the president recommended in the FY23 budget that's currently being considered by Congress yeah. $10 billion in funding to support election infrastructure. And so, um, you know, I really couldn't think of a more urgent thing that Congress now needs to set its sights on getting over the finish line. Okay. And you talk a lot about election officials. How do you define that? Um, election officials are the public servants, uh, most of them at the city and county level, who have the full-time work of making our voting process happen. So they inform the public about how the process works. They staff polling places. They recruit all of the neighborhood volunteers. They do things like manage the vote counting process in a secure way with integrity. And in your talk, I found this really quite alarming, the growing threats to the safety of precinct workers, election officials. How are you looking to tackle that? You know, one of the most concerning things that we've seen um, since the 2020 election is just a growing amount of vitriol that yeah. has, is being directed at public servants and especially election officials and the volunteers that are coming from uh, the community to support just making our elections happen. Yeah, it's often retirees, you know? Yes. Like, that's the coolest part to me about how our elections work. When you actually get to a polling place, it's your neighbors that are there greeting you yeah. and helping you through the process. And now these folks are receiving death threats. It has gotten so terrible that there are some election officials who have literally had to go into hiding and flee their homes. And so the amount of attention that we need to really pay um, to not only supporting these officials to have the resources to be able to break through the disinformation and to keep themselves and their staff safe is so important in this moment and is a pathway to being able to build the institutional trust that is also being eroded and has been on the decline over, um, you know, the last decade in, in so many of our institutions across the country. It seems your work truly is audacious because it's so urgent, right? And I, I think a lot of us, probably listeners among us, feel the sense of helplessness that things can't change. So what keeps you kind of going despite the fact that there's always an election around the corner where things could be better? 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons that I think that the work that we're up to is so audacious is that on the one hand, it has the opportunity to change the way that voting works for the better for millions and millions of Americans. And at the same time, it is really, really fundamental changes that we're describing, things that we know are possible to shift. And with these resources and with this shared strategy, with this cross-sector group of folks coming together with election officials, I'm just so pumped about what's possible over the next five years. Okay. Tiana Epps-Johnson, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.